0: Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. Welcome back to episode 41 of the High on Life podcast. Today, I'm so excited because we are going to be talking about binge eating disorder recovery. And what I want you to hear in this conversation with one of our clients is hope. And the reason I want to talk about this is because binge eating disorder is one of the most common eating disorders and it's underdiagnosed, it's underrecognized. And so many women, and maybe you listening, maybe you are a woman who struggles with binge eating disorder, and you just think that you have a willpower issue, that you should just be better at being able to control yourself, and every night you're struggling with consuming huge amounts of food and kind of like numbing out and feeling totally out of control, and then waking up feeling very ashamed of yourself, and you think this is your fault. And what I want you to know is you could have an eating disorder, a real medical diagnosis that is rooted in physiology and psychology, And the good news is, is that there's treatment. There is effective treatment available. And I'm really excited to share that we are now offering this treatment across Canada. It's our new Recover Strong program. And today on the podcast, I have Dervla, who's one of our clients who recently completed this program. And I want you to hear the remarkable transformation that she has had in her life Completing this program and getting freedom and going into remission from binge eating disorder. So, here we go. Dervla is a 37 year old self employed media arts professional. She balances freelancing on network TV productions and planning this annual conference that she runs and doing recording voiceover work with travel. So, she has this really busy and super interesting life. And she struggled with yo yo dieting for about 20 years. And before she arrived in our program, she had reached her highest weight yet. She found out that diabetes ran in her family, and she knew that there had to be a different way to approach her weight issues, and that there had to be more to the problem than just quote eating too much. So she spoke to her family doctor who referred her to our program, to the High Metabolic Clinic, and she now has finally found success she's found a sustainable approach to health and well-being. She got a diagnosis of binge eating disorder. She got the treatment she needed. She got the recovery and the remission that she needed. And now she is, quite frankly, uh, you know, such a different person. And it's amazing to hear. You can hear it in her voice. You can hear it in her story. So I, I hope that if there's anyone out there listening and you have binge eating disorder, maybe you can identify parts of yourself in Dervlo's story. And what I want you to know is that there is help available. There's treatment available. So I'm going to share with you at the end of this episode, how you can work with us and how you can get this same transformation. But first, why don't you listen to her story and just how remarkable it really is. Here we go. Hi, Dervla. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hello. Thanks for having me. All right. So I'm really excited to chat with you because today we are talking about binge eating disorder, which is the most common eating disorder in north america it exceeds bulimia it exceeds anorexia combined and yet it's underrecognized it's underdiagnosed it's really undertreated it's hard to get treatment for binge eating disorder and so many people with this eating disorder really feel like it's their fault they've got a willpower issue right and they suffer kind of silently and with a lot of shame so thank you for having the courage to talk about it on the podcast today I, that actually does take a lot of courage. So I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. I've just had to, it, this experience has been so transformative. I, <laughs> and it's kind of cheesy, but I felt like I have to talk, like I, I have to do this and talk about it because it, like you said, it's so common and people don't, don't deal with it. Don't even recognize that they have it sometimes. Yeah. Know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So can you tell us like, How did you, did you know that you had binge eating disorder or, you know, were you just like, you know, I just have a problem. I can't control myself. Like when did you figure that out?
1: Exactly what you said. So it wasn't until I did the HMC, if I say HMC, I mean the high metabolic clinic, the quiz, whenever I first started doing the program and I checked all the boxes, I thought, oh, what is this? Before that, I, I literally just thought, well, okay most people who have problems with eating, most people that are overweight, this is just how it is. You, you start eating. For me, it was always in the evening. So like, as soon as dinner was done, you just keep eating until you go to bed and couldn't stop it. Thought I had, you know, poor willpower. And, and then I took the quit. I didn't even know that it existed as a disorder. Mm-hmm. And I took that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think what you're describing is such a common experience, right? Like most people when you think eating disorder you think anorexia you think you know bulimia purging but you don't exactly. think of like the compulsion to overeat and binge as an eating disorder but it really is it's a medical diagnosis and there are physiologic changes within the brain that lead to binge eating disorder as well so yeah so it does that that's why it gets missed so often right because yeah. most people don't even identify it
1: because i always thought oh it's just again like you said lack of willpower. Why can't I stop eating? It's, it was more, it was my fault, you know, just, just don't eat at night. It's it. I didn't, I didn't actually realize it was something in the brain and it could be treated. So it was, it was relieving actually when I did the quiz and realized I thought, Oh, that explains a
0: lot. (laughs) So, yeah, 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 absolutely. So when you knew like, okay, evening would come and then the, you couldn't control yourself and the eating would start, what did you try? Like, did you try things to try to fix this problem? Or did you just try to like have more willpower, cross your fingers? Like what what was that like before? I guess, again, because I didn't fully know
1: what it was, but I knew that I ate too much at night. That was kind of the hot spot or the you know the worst times for me. I mean, it's, it's been going on since I, I'd say probably about teenage years, and I've tried every diet under the sun. The only one that worked was the Dr. Bernstein diet because I was going in person, getting weighed almost every single day, and it was the accountability. But I mean, it's not sustainable. I, I You're barely eating. As soon as I ended the diet, I gained more weight. Than I started with, and I did that twice with Bernstein. So I knew that accountability worked, but I knew that that's not sustainable. Having someone check in with me every day, and it has to be, you know, a trained medical professional. Couldn't be like my mom or my friend. I tried purging, but didn't really like it enough to keep going, and it also just didn't work. I tried filling my evenings with with things, not and not going out to dinner or drinks with friends or anything. Sports and it did did help because you know by the time you get home it's 10 and might eat a little bit but you don't have that long window of eating but that's also not sustainable i don't want to be out every single night you know when you're working sometimes you just want to finish your work day and and not have to go out and do something active or you know a few days a week is great but every single day it just again i felt like that was more me avoiding the problem mm-hmm. rather than Dealing with it, and then uh, also didn't work. Body shaming and it kind of like punishing myself. I mean, for example, I so I get kind of my la- latest huge gate weight weight gain was within the past couple of years. And So I told myself, well, I'm not going to start dating until I get lose the weight. And instead of losing the weight, I just didn't date. <laughs> so that didn't work either so that's actually when I when I was just like I don't know what else to do I have no idea so I went to my doctor and she's very aware of over the years just how it's been and she recommended your clinic and fast forward here I am now
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and we're so happy that you know, you came to us and we got to work with you. I think what, what you described is just, you probably summarize the experience of so many women trying diet after diet, trying, okay, let me shame myself. Let me punish myself. Let me my, get, let me give myself conditions. Let me distract from this. Right. And it's like all these kind of bandage bandage solutions. Sometimes they work for short periods of time, right? Sometimes just restricting hard enough with enough like white knuckling willpower will work for a short period of time, but it's never dealing with like the underlying issues, which really have nothing to do with dieting or finding the right diet or anything like that. There it's like those emotional triggers and the thought processes under the surface, right? That we really have to address. And so, okay, you came to us and then you identified you're like, okay, wow, this is binge eating disorder. I actually have a medical condition we didn't even have treatment for binge eating disorder when you first started with us, right? And that was actually just why we've arrived at this new program. We're calling it Recover Strong. We're going to be launching it across Canada. But the reason we decided we needed to develop this program is because we had people like you coming to us. And most people come because they want help with the weight management. And we were finding, we're identifying binge eating disorder trying to find places to send people meeting like year and a half wait lists and not being able to get the treatment. And we're like, we really have to do something about this ourselves. And so that's where we sought, We went through this preceptorship with an eating disorder clinic out in Halifax, and we got training for our team. And you were part of the first pilot of our Recover Strong program. So you were one of the first people going through this 10-week program, it's based on CBTT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, but time constrained specifically for eating disorders. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about what your experience going through that program was like.
1: Yeah. Well, when um when I was asked to join it, my first thought was, "Oh, that sounds intense." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet right. Then, Ten weeks consecutively. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, again, I was hesitant, but then I just thought, you know what, I. I'm at my wits end. I am in this, I am with high metabolic clinic. Cause I just want to deal with this once and for all. Like, I mean, I know it's kind of not once and for all forever healed whatever, but yeah, I just thought, okay, let's just do this. So once I committed, I thought, okay, I'm in. So I spoke, uh, Julie was my weekly check-in dietitian and she was amazing. First of all, as, as her employer, I just want to let you know. She's yeah. Oh, I know. Thank you. She is amazing. Uh, Julie May. Yes. Yeah. So when it started out, to be honest, I, I definitely had my doubts. There was, there's a lot of, again, the body shaming and hate. And it was weird because never really thought about it until then, but I didn't want to love myself. I mm. wanted to hate the way I was because I thought that was the only way to get to where I wanted to go weight wise yeah. and all that stuff. But right. so when I started the program, there were, there were, it wasn't easy. I hadn't weighed myself in maybe six or eight months or, and so the first thing she had me do was weigh myself. So I had to buy a scale and <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So and that was just kind of facing what is and and stop putting this fear up on a pedestal and just kind of facing the fear. So I weighed myself weekly and we were experimenting with things. We tried the feared foods experiment, which my weakness is chips. I love savory chips. And if they were in the house, like the bag would be gone within a day or two. Two was me being good. So she said, just, you know, let yourself have these, just just let yourself have them. And then we kind of then work on having let yourself have it, but maybe just stop after a bowl bowl or something. And I started gaining weight as we were trying these experiments, but I also would notice what the self-talk was. As soon as I stepped on the scale, what's going through my head. And it was really interesting just to see everything Thing that kind of came up in my head um, So I, I started to take a step back and look at it as like, I'm an observer of my own thoughts. And, and it got to week three and I'd gained not a lot, but more weight than when I started. And I thought, am I failing at CBTT? <laughs> like that's a thing, like you're failing at it. But we kept going and, um, really focused on just analyzing okay, what's going on in my head? What are my thoughts? And and by allowing myself, for example, to have the chips, I just stopped craving them as much, which blew my mind. And uh, it wasn't until, I guess it started to turn around about week four or five. And then it wasn't until about eight or nine that we I realized like I wasn't quote unquote failing anymore, but it wasn't until we actually did a recap of where I started. I realized, Oh wow. I've come a long way in such a short time. I, you just, I just didn't really think about it until I look back. I was like, wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really binging at all anymore. How did that happen? But it was, it, it's, it's kind of, you don't really notice it until you actually take stock of where you end up. But at first, I thought I was failing, felt like I was getting worse and then kind of came out the other side. I don't know if that's typical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and when you think, when you thought you were failing, was it simply because the scale was going up initially? Is that what made you think you were failing?
1: Oh, that's a good point. So even <laughs> now I'm running. Yes. Yeah. That definitely had a lot to do with it. And then I would, I had setbacks. I would you know, we try things and I would slip every once in a while, but again, through part of the training and all the inner work, I guess, for lack of better words, you know, I, I gained more compassion for myself and wasn't as hard on myself, which actually made it easier in the end to follow. So, yeah. So I, I, yeah. You see, I'm still learning. I guess the
0: the weight (laughs) have a lot to do with it. (laughs) Yeah. It's really interesting because a lot of people, like the contact that we have with them, as I mentioned, is because they're coming for weight loss, but then we identify binge eating disorder. And what we have to differentiate is when we're treating binge eating disorder, we're treating an eating disorder and we are not treating weight. They have to be two separate things. We're not trying to achieve weight loss when we're treating binge eating disorder, I, I know Julie went through that with you yeah. as you are going through, but it, but it, it's still so hard, right? Like when you're so conditioned to be like, I should be losing weight to see the weight initially go up right at the beginning. And that can happen sometimes because sometimes people with binge eating disorder, they have been used to like restricting, restricting, restricting during the day for a long time. But when we try to like, the first step is really normalizing eating. It's like normalizing that relationship with food. You talked about the fear foods. And sometimes because we're just trying to find like normalize caloric intake, the body will gain a little bit of weight. Did that continue or like what, ha- what, what happened for you? Because you were weighing weekly and yeah. maybe share why can you do, do, you feel comfortable sharing like why it's important to weigh weekly and what we're trying to achieve there in the CBTT program for for that? Yeah, it was
1: to become more aware of the misconceptions that, yes. If I eat a little bit of chips every night, I'm going to gain five pounds in a week and right. you know, I might gain 0. 0.4 or something. Yeah. So it, really, it was to break those misconceptions and the, you know, saying a food is a bad food. It's not yeah. necessarily a bad food, you know, eating more carbs. That was another thing. So a huge, like, like you were saying, kind of normalizing the food was the first step a huge game changer. Again, I thought it was willpower, 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 which was how I would stop eating at night. But something I didn't even think about, which really helped a lot at the beginning was eating every three to four hours. So I would often go huge stretches without eating. I'd skip breakfast or lunch, or I always thought this saying in my head, oh, it's good to feel a little hungry. But then what Julie showed me was that throughout the day, you know, your blood sugar drops and spikes and drops and spikes. And then by the evening, it's just been up and down, up and down all day that that also contributes to why I just keep eating. I'm not even hungry anymore, but it's just the dysregulation in blood sugar and all that throughout the day. So I actually have a timer on my phone now. I still do it to this day and make sure that I eat just a little bit and also either either like two of three, of either uh, fat, carbohydrates, or protein. So it could be you know some hummus and or, or like a cheese and crackers or something. Which again, in my mind, cheese and crackers—that's going to make me gain weight, <laughs> but just a little bit. You know, just to sustain you. So that was a big thing that really helped. And then come the evening, the cravings were there, but it was not nearly as bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's so good to. That normalized eating is such a key part of this treatment because what we what the the technical term for what you described is the broken cognitive link. So there's this broken cognitive link where you believe that if I eat this, like if I have chips, I'm for sure going to gain those five pounds, and that's the reason for the weighing is to show you like actually you can have a little bit of like this food that you fear so much, and it's actually not going to have that impact on your weight. So that's why you know, for the, for our audience listening to understand like the importance of the weekly weighing is we start to counter that false narrative in our, in in our mind that like, if I eat this, I'm going to have this, because then what happens is that you end up binging on this food that you restricted. And then, yeah, the eating regular meals, it's really interesting where there's no one right way of eating, right. For different people, because there's a huge movement of intuitive eating right now. Right. And people who kind of like you follow hunger cues. And that can be so valuable to a lot of people. But with eating disorder, like binge eating disorder, your hunger cues are thrown off and there's dysregulation there. And so that's where you had to do that mechanical eating, right? Where it's like, oh, actually, I can't just wait till I get super hungry because my brain may not be giving me those signals. I actually need to be putting a timer on my phone, right? And eating every three hours, which is a bit different.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was interesting how, when that happened, then, then I was able to focus more on why am I eating? Why it's like the habit, the what's going on in my head, rather than just responding to, you know, erratic eating throughout the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. So you addressed fear foods. Did you do some body image work as well or body acceptance work too? Was that part of like what you needed?
1: Yeah, there was a lot of comparison which I kind of have I, it's I mean, I think you you can't help but compare yourself sometimes. It's way better now but I know this is silly, but what I've started doing now is on Instagram, I follow people who are like a little bit bigger and they still look great and they own it. And And I'm like, she looks great. I can look great too. Yeah, that's so, <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's a lot of comparison, but uh, yeah, we did the body image. I mean, there's so many elements. It's funny because there's so much and every single day, i find myself pulling out something that i learned and and implementing it but it's it's hard to kind of sit down and say yeah it was this and this and this and this
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah there there is so much and i think that's why this this treatment is so valuable right it's like not only are you dealing with the food you're dealing with the body acceptance the comparison there's also the the whole piece about emotional triggers do you feel like you could comment on that the emotional triggers piece
1: that was a huge one.
0: Yes, there was,
1: it kind of ties in with the emotional triggers where she introduced me to the, to the concept of inner child healing, which I had never heard of. And it took me down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I realized how much things in my past affect what I do now. So sorry, mom, if you're listening, but she has a lot of inner issues, I think. With, with food, and and every time she would make comments like I'd, I'd be home for dinner, and she'd make a comment about how oh I'm cutting back, and I automatically took that as she's trying to suggest that I need to stop eating what's on my plate too, and then it would make you know the teenager inside me would say screw that I'm going to eat more <laughs> right right yeah there's a lot of triggers or for example you know um, going out to social events or just so many, so many, so many triggers that I identified, but what I found helped planning ahead was a big one. And also, again, I guess it's kind of in with the inner child healing, noticing my thoughts in the moment. And it's kind of a mix between like figuring out what's the origin of this belief or this thought, and mixed with urge surfing, which I love. I know you did a podcast recently on that. Yeah. So again, right? You kind of combine all of these things you're learning.
0: Yeah, that's really great. So let's go back to the example just so we can. I, I want to kind of conceptualize it. So when you kind of recognized, okay, when your mom would make that comment, that teenage you would have that, that, you know, that response, how did understanding that help you now? Because I really, well, it goes way back to when I was a kid
1: and I was the youngest. And I always felt like I was never heard. Everyone always dismissed me, you know, the baby of the family, she's crying, whatever, you know, and then also my mom is very slim and, you know, I had thicker legs when I was younger and everyone would always call me tree trunk legs. And there's just, there's so much behind one little comment from my mom saying something because my whole life, you know, sometimes I'll be, when I I was growing up or even still today, if I go visit, she'll say, Oh, do you want to eat that? And I realize that that is all of that stuff coming up again. And I'm able to analyze that and say, Oh, I know there's a sequence. I forget the exact sequence, but it's the thought leads to the The feeling, feeling, feeling,
0: Sorry. Yeah, so new, bad with Newton's new cradle. cradle. It's okay. Yeah, yeah you're a new yeah. cradle.
1: Yeah, but then, but then I was able to stop it before I actually took the uh, the action or the behavior because you know it's like okay, that's that was that happened in the past, but I'm not going to let that affect my goals and and what I want to do now. I'm not going to let what happened to me before impact. And let me make poor decisions now. It's just taking that moment to pause and think, Yeah. why am I doing this? What's really going on? And then really, do I want to overeat or take that extra helping? Just despite my mom, who's actually probably not even thinking about that. (laughs) She just probably said it to herself, but it just came out verbally and I took it as her saying it to me. So just taking that moment to think about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's great. So for those listening, it's like, The thought leads to a belief that you kind of carry around, which generates feelings. And then typically with our feelings, we react with an action or a behavior like the binging, right? And so what you're describing is just like being able to interrupt that sequence of events with that pause. Yeah. Before you just react with that autopilot action. So yeah, so, so good. So you have finished the 10 weeks. Have you, have you done your two follow-ups already as well? I've done one. So, it's 10 weeks, and then it's a one month follow up, and then the three month follow up to make sure that you continue to do well. So, how would you say your experience with food and your body and your health is different now? Well, for
1: one, I've got a date tomorrow. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even go on dating apps. I thought the minute I meet this person in real life, they're going to think, oh, no. Uh, so that's a huge step for me, a little nervous, but I'm also acknowledging the thoughts and choosing not to let it affect my, my decision, you know, and then oh, I'm
0: so happy for you. That's amazing. Yay.
1: <laughs> I can have chips in the house. It's so weird. I, again, my whole life chips have been my, my weak point and they mm-hmm. can just sit in the cupboard and I might have some once a week like a little bowl. I don't know. Uh, what happened. Yeah. I, yeah. Like CBTG, I guess it worked, but I don't know how I, I, I guess just the act of allowing me and, and saying like, I can't never have this just, it's a sometimes food and yeah. So having chips in the house, that's a huge that, step for me.
0: That's huge. I feel like you're blowing people's mind just by saying that, because I think many people are like, I cannot have this in the house. Like I can't control myself. And so that's one way, right? Like one way would be to so control your environment so that you, you don't have the temptation or you don't have that trigger there or whatever. But it's like, you're going to live in fear for the rest of your life that like, what if your child brings it home? What if your partner brings it home? Like you won't be able to control yourself. So it's like, it's such an, a more empowered stance to be like, yeah, I can be in the cupboard and I'm totally okay. And I can have that when I want it.
1: That actually back to the question before, another way that I would deal with it was just not have it in the house. But another way, reason why I wanted to deal with it was because I knew that, you know, I'm single now, I don't have kids, but one day I'm not going to live alone. And I, I need to be able to have this in the house. So I was, honestly, I was, I was kind of skeptical at the beginning of this, but looking at now, I'm like, wow, okay. That's incredible! Amazing. I have a much better relationship with my body, which I've had, which for like my entire adult life, I've been very hard on myself. So it's um, it's good now. It there's, I think you you said it before. Strive for neutral. Like, don't don't go from hate to love because it's just a lot of people can't. So I'm between neutral and like. Like I, I look at my like, days. I'm like, good. Or other days, okay. I mean, I don't love that cellulite, but it's fine. It's fine. That like I, it's. I'm a lot more compassionate with myself, which again is something I would never say before. Also, I'd still like to to lose a bit of weight, but it's. I'm approaching it from a more patient perspective, like patience. So. I'm still, I'm allowing myself to eat, but I'll just, for example, you know, try and put, have more veggies or non-starchy veggies on the plate, but I'll still allow myself to, to eat other things sometimes. And I'm really focusing on creating eating habits that are sustainable and, and more, I'm approaching it more from I'm going to choose to eat healthy and well. And I will, like, my body will just kind of naturally fall into the, I think you said, the best weight from there. And then, really, a lot more. Yeah. The compassionate part, you know, sometimes you do eat things that more of something than you want to, but that's okay. And if it's really getting to the point where it bothers me, I think it was the 10th call, we created a blueprint for if these habits do start creeping up again, how can we approach them and how can we, I I guess, deal with them and make sure that it doesn't spiral. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So you, like, it sounds like you have a lot of confidence moving forward now, like confidence in yourself, but also you have a plan and you've learned so many skills and you know how to apply them. Like, I think you said at one point, you, you like, you pull out skills and you apply them in your life day to day that you've learned. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's hard to explain to a lot of people as well, because people will see me, you know, having like, instead of a sandwich, maybe I'll have a piece of bread, like an open faced or something, you know, so I'm, I'm making choices that are in the right direction, but people say, Oh, I thought you were on a diet. And so that's just something that I still try and I don't really know how to actually, yeah. Like I'm still trying to navigating. I just don't really tell people anything because if they know that I'm part of this clinic, they say, Oh, I thought you were on a diet. And you're like, it's not a diet. It's lifestyle change, but, um, but it's good. No, I'm, I'm feeling like you said, more confident and like, there's fine. This is finally something that will actually, it's sustainable.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So uh, yeah, I think honestly, like what I get so excited about, you know, like I like helping people lose life. I love seeing, the life transformation right like that you're accepting yourself you're being kind to yourself you have the confidence to be like hey i'm gonna go out on a date and i'm you know i can observe the mental chatter and do it anyway right like that's so powerful to like yes i my brain's coming up with all these reasons why like you know uh, what could happen and the fear but you're doing it anyway like to be able to observe your thoughts that way is incredibly powerful and just changes so many parts of your life so that is super exciting okay you I think you've offered so much hope. Is there any kind of last words of wisdom or tidbits that you would want to share with our audience? If there are women out there who are, uh, may be struggling with binge eating disorder and don't, you know, and, and aren't getting the help that they need. Well, go to your clinic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs>
1: I did not think that I could be helped without some sort of like again the the Dr. Bernstein accountability where they're weighing you every single day and then as soon as you're done you gain all the way back. But uh, it did work for me. I, I, I just and I and I was skeptical going in again because I didn't. I was just like, yeah, it's not going to work for me. But oh, whatever, I'll, I'll try it. Just I'm throwing spaghetti at the wall and see whatever sticks. And it stuck. It worked. And I think it's powerful without you realizing how powerful it is until you get to the end. And if you are doing it and you think you might, you're quote unquote failing at the beginning, (laughs) just keep going.
0: Yeah, that's so great. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for having so much courage to come on and talk about this. And as I said, I think it offered so much hope to other women listening. So I appreciate you. Thank you again. I appreciate you and the clinic
1: and everyone there. (laughs) Thanks for saying
0: that Dervla. It's been such a pleasure. Amazing. If you listened to Dervla's story and you're thinking, oh my goodness, that totally resonates with me. So much of her story sounds like my own. I wonder if it's possible that I actually have an eating disorder and that it's not that I have something broken in me or a willpower issue and maybe this isn't my fault. I wanna offer that there really is treatment available. And so here are two steps you can take. Number one, please talk to your family doctor. And if your family doctor isn't familiar with binge eating disorder, there are tons of online self kind of screening tests that you can take to see if you may have a true eating disorder, a true medical diagnosis. And then step two, I want you to reach out to us. Recover Strong is our new binge eating disorder program. It is going to be available across Canada, all provinces. We're really excited about that. It is currently a one-on-one program. It's not going to stay that way for long. We are going to be switching to a group program because there are so many people who need help. But if you want to get in, get in early and we want to support you, www.highmetabolicclinic.com B-E-D for binge eating disorder and get on our waiting list so that you can be the first to find out when doors open for registration. We're really excited to see your transformation and your food freedom and your body acceptance and your confidence that you can have any food in your house without fearing that you're going to eat all of it. So it is possible. There is hope. And I look forward to supporting you. Have a wonderful week. I will talk to you again soon. Bye.